1: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source
2: for sports entertainment and sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right, we are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. Facebook, Twitter, all of the social media, it's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S. G N iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. Get in touch with us there as well. And we're going into week four. Now, normally, when there's a 16-week season, this is one-fourth of the way there. Uh, But we got an extra week. I'm still saying it's about one-fourth of the way into the regular season. We do know a couple of things right now. And one of the things that we really have to pay attention to this week is injuries. I mean, we know injuries are going to play a major part of this week. We watched big-time quarterbacks go down, a lot of running backs are banged up, interior linemen no one are talking about. So the theme of this week is really injuries, injuries, and more injuries. We have a Thursday night game we will talk about. We also have our first game in London this week that we have to get into as well. Guys, there has been six NFL seasons since 1989 where there were just two undefeated teams. We have that heading into week four with the Eagles and Miami. Miami will be playing on that Thursday night game. So going into Sunday, it's possible we could have just one. And the 72 Dolphins are getting ready to sip a little bit more champagne. So we'll start right there. Let's start with this Dolphins-Bengals game. The line has been fluctuating. It's about minus three and a half or four, depending on where you're looking. And this line has been kind of up and down. It's a tough game to predict because of Tua's health or lack thereof. We're not sure what Tua's health was. Look, when you watch the game last week, you had to be impressed with the overall outcome of Miami. But generally speaking, Miami just got beat up and down the field. Look, the scoreboard is all that matters. I get that, okay? And to paraphrase Bill Parcells, you are what your record says is what he said. Well, you are what the final score says. So the Bills, look, they went down, although they dominated time of possession. The Bills racked up 500 yards on 90 plays. Yeah, 90 plays against Miami. Miami had no chance to win that game. Miami had no reason to win that game. Miami had no business to win that game but they did win the game. And that's all that seems to matter, right? You look at the Miami Dolphins and you start to say, okay, how much do we believe in this team with a Tua two- of Viola who is a little bit banged up? How much do we believe in the early start for the Miami Dolphins? Because it has been impressive, guys, right? Taking on New England in week one. All right, maybe that doesn't look as impressive now because New England is obviously struggling offensively. But a win week one, okay. Week two, coming back from a 21-point deficit, beating Baltimore. That's an impressive win. It's impressive, but it took a 21-point fourth quarter comeback to come back and win. They were getting absolutely decimated in that game. All right? They were down 17. I mean, they were getting beat all up and down the field. And then against Buffalo, I just gave you the numbers. Just gave you the numbers against Buffalo. They were beaten all over the field except on the scoreboard. So how impressed are we with the Miami Dolphins? I will tell you this. There's a good chance that this team uh, doesn't have a loss until December. If they get by Cincinnati tomorrow night, they get by Cincinnati. They then travel to the New York Jets. They'll be a substantial favorite there. They get Minnesota and Pittsburgh at home. They'll be substantial favorites in both of those games. Then they take on Detroit and Chicago, both on the road. Still, they'll be substantial favorites there. Then they get Cleveland at home before the bye week. Then they get Houston at home. They go through their tough stretch then. At San Fran, at the Chargers, at Buffalo, Green Bay, at New England. Okay, so those five games in a row are tough. But there's a real chance here, guys. A real chance we're looking at 11-0 with Miami if they beat Cincinnati. The Bengals, well, what do we believe in the Bengals? I was the one who sat back and I told you guys before the year, I didn't believe in this Bengals team this year. I didn't think they were winning the division. I thought that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to start very low. I thought that the Cincinnati Bengals had a real chance to miss the playoffs. And it was because of this weak start that I did believe. They lost to Pittsburgh in a game that they shouldn't have even been in, but a lot of Pittsburgh defensive injuries allowed them to creep into it. But you get a loss there. They lost to Dallas. And then they go out and they beat the Jets. Now, I liked Cincinnati last week because you're going up against Pittsburgh and Dallas, those are two dynamic pass rushes. Now you can take on Miami. Miami's pass rush has looked mightily improved with Melvin Ingram and Wilkins in the middle. And you look at Cincinnati and you go, they're having a problem for whatever reason finding Jamar Chase. Teams have decided we are going to just keep Chase in front of us. Teams have decided, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. We are just going to make sure that we blanket Jamar Chase and don't let him get out in space. And it has hampered this team. Cincinnati, they are 4-1 and one against the spread the last five games at home. Miami is 3-0 against the spread, um, and they have have looked good at times, but it's a consistency thing that I'm worried about here. My initial impact, my initial thought, I should say, um, was the impact of Tua going down. I wanted Cincinnati. I I did. I wanted Cincinnati here. I thought it was the zig while everybody's eggs, right? Everyone's going to be on Miami after that comeback. Oh, this is great. Now Cincinnati's at home. It's a short week. Two is banged up. I thought that that's what it, what it was. But the more that I watched Dave, and I will rewatch that game, and, and I thought about what I was watching, I'm going, I just can't bet on Cincinnati right now. Their offensive line is terrible. Last year, they gave up 51 sacks to Joe Burrow, and he's leading the league. Well, he's second in the league right now getting sacked. His offensive line looks terrible. And I like this Miami pass rush. I like what they've done. I've liked what they're coming up the middle with. I can't take this game. I just can't. If, if anything... You have to lean Miami plus the points now if two is healthy. And it looks like everyone's going to be healthy, by the way. I know Zayvon Howard had a couple of question marks as well. Howard against Chase is going to be a good matchup one-on-one. How about Vikings-Saints? This one, it opened at about a pick Minnesota Minnesota's about a two-point favorite right now over in London. And these London games get weird, guys. These London games get a little dicey. We're not really sure. They get, they get a little weird. On the outcome. So I hate to bet them. 9.30 a.m. Eastern time this game is going to be kicking off at. Winston has broken ribs. Winston has broken back. Well, everything's a mess. And Winston look, Winston looks like he's got five interceptions so far. He's got 11 sacks so far. Oh, but somehow or another, look, the Saints, they're, they're hanging on. Right? They were shut out for the first three quarters against Carolina and then kind of try to come back in that game. The Saints of getting getting off to real bad starts here in the first halves. They are 0-3 against the spread as well. But, look, for all the bad that they did, and Alvin Kamara scored only five passes, um, he had 19 yards. It, 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 looked, it, it looks bad. For all that, he looks bad, right? But, listen, last game, despite getting shut out, the Saints recorded the most offensive yards on the season. They had 426 yards. And their defense held another team, again, to under 300 yards. But they only got 14 points. Minnesota, meanwhile, they were flying high, right? Minnesota looked great. Here we go. And then Justin Jefferson just, where has he been? We thought Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson thought, and we thought Justin Jefferson was going to have a Cooper Cup kind of year, right? Well, there goes that, (laughs) right? There goes this Cooper Cup kind of year. He's been absent the last two weeks. Who knows where he's been? Now, Dalvin Cook could be injured here. He might not play. Madison has been great. He's been a solid backup when he comes in here. Uh, Kirk Cousins coming off of a Monday night game. I felt like, okay, you know, we we know what happens there. But I wonder how much of this is coaching. You get out to that hot start. Teams watch film on you and go, okay, that's what you're going to do. And we're going to readjust. Here's a spot where I think it's Minnesota or nothing. I cannot go on the Saints with the offense looking like this. I can't go on Jameis Winston. And, and I still believe that there has to come a point where the talent of Justin Jefferson jumps up. Got a couple of numbers here for the total. Total is hit in 8 of 11 uh, for Minnesota and on the over, and the over is hit in 9 of 13 against Minnesota for New Orleans. So a couple of those things, if you think that it's going to be a high-scoring game, you think that Justin Jefferson's going to break out like I do, maybe looking at the total there. Browns-Falcons, 2-1 and one against 1-2, one and two. You look at the Browns and you look at the Falcons and you go, oh, man, this is is one of those, like, ugly games. But I think it can be a good game. Cleveland's about a two-point favorite here. Miles Garrett got into a car accident. And the first initial reports this week were that, well, at least it's not life-threatening. And you go, oh, thank God it's not life-threatening. But how bad was this car accident, right? And then over the course of the week, we started to hear day after day, okay, you know— He's going to be okay. He's going to, Doctors are going to talk to him. But it doesn't sound overly optimistic about getting in there this week. The Falcons, look, you can go into the season with whatever you wanted to believe a month ago. We now have watched Falcons games and we go, they are 3-0 and against the spread. Cordell Patterson is averaging over 100 yards per game as a running back. The Falcons' rushing defense, that you can't name one person on their defensive uh, front there. They are 15th in rushing defense. The Falcons are 3-0 to the over. They're getting offensive production now from Kyle Pitts, who they fed last week, but from Drake London. They're getting production from Patterson. Mariota's doing things with his legs. We didn't think that this was going to be the case with the Falcons, but it is. I mean, we didn't believe this was going to be what the Falcons were, but we have to start trusting our eyes. And what we're watching with the Atlanta Falcons is pretty impressive right now. The Falcons may be one and two, but they're keeping games close, and they just went into Seattle and won that game. You got to give them credit for that. The Browns, meanwhile, the Browns are doing exactly what we thought that they would do with Jacoby Brissett in charge. They are running the ball, running ball very effectively, running the ball with Nick Chubb like we always thought that they would. Nick Chubb has 341 rushing yards with four touchdowns through three games. This is the guy that Three years ago, I told you guys that Nick Chubb was the best running back in football. This is the guy that I thought that they would eventually just lean on all day long. Hunt adds something, sure. And Dearness Johnson, when he is in there, he could add something, sure. doesn't matter. This is the Nick Chubb show, and this is exactly what it should be. But Jacoby Brissett has also played really well. He's completing 66% of his throws. He's got about 600 yards and four touchdowns. One mistake, one interception. That's it. The Falcons, by the way, 27th in yards allowed through the air so they can be thrown on. Last week, Amari Cooper stepped up. Last week, David Njoku stepped up. This is an offense that all of a sudden is taking the, okay, it's not just Nick Chubb direction. It's going to be Nick Chubb a lot here. It's going to be Nick Chubb early, often, and in the goal line. But Jacoby Brissett is playing well enough that we're looking at Jacoby Brissett and going, yeah, you know what? You're not just a placeholder here. He's getting it done. And he can get it done again in this game. Like I said, Browns minus two. It is a road game. Falcons have played much better. The Browns do have some injuries. And if Miles Garrett misses this game, I think it is a pretty big injury for them. Uh, but overall, yeah, this this could be a tight game. All right, guys. Game of the day. 2-1 Bills, 2-1 Ravens. Both of these teams believe they should be 3-0. The Bills run out there and beat Miami up and down the field. Came away with a loss. The Ravens clearly beat Miami up and down the field. 21-point fourth quarter lead disappears. Buffalo is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Buffalo, look, you know, you look at what they did last game and coming away with a loss, coming away with a bad offensive showing on the scoreboard, you can get down. But if you look at the tape, they did a lot of good things. Right? I mean, they did a lot of good things. I'll repeat it. They ran 90 plays against the Dolphins. 500 yards of total offense, I, you know, it, it's it's one of those anomalies, one of those fluke games, and the Bills often have this. Last year against Jacksonville, remember that? Mess of a game. The Bills do have this, but they usually bounce back pretty well. They are 6-1 and 1 against the spread the last eight games after a straight-up loss, okay? So they bounce back pretty well. The Dolphins, by the way, they had one of their worst offensive performances only 200 yards offensively. They got dominated in time of possession. They got dominated in all these statistical categories. So even though the Bills were playing with backups to backups to backups in the secondary, really Miami could not fully take advantage of that. And like I said, the Buffalo bounced back. 7-1-1 against the spread the last nine games following against a spread loss. And like I said, they dominate after a straight-up loss. That is coaching, guys. That is coaching, right? The Bills still lead the NFL in scoring. OK, they are still sitting there. Baltimore comes in right behind them. So I do think that the 53 number on the total is probably right. Now, let's take a look at Baltimore. And when we look at Baltimore, it's really looking at one person and one person only. And that's Lamar Jackson. He is having a huge year. Just put together five touchdown passes against you know, in Foxborough. Um, Baltimore. They are not a team that likes this month. Like, we talked about how great September was for them and how great, statistically, September is. They don't really like October too much. They don't do well. 11-27-1 against the spread of the last 39 games in October. But it's all about Jackson, right? I mean, everything is about Jackson. He's got 12 total touchdowns, 10 passing, 2 rushing. He's run for over 100 yards in back-to-back games. He's got the most passing touchdowns in the league. He's got the highest passer rating in the league, highest yards per rush in the league, more rushing yards than guys like Derrick Henry, more rushing touchdowns than guys like Jonathan Taylor. He is everything at this point. And the Ravens also score at will. Their offense is absolutely fantastic. They ranked 26th in past attempts, and then last week, all of a sudden, you said, okay, now we're going to go to Mark Andrews early and often, and that is the recipe for success is to just pepper Andrews. Look, Bateman is showing that he could be the guy, and Duvernay is nice. But they still need that compliment, and I came out here two weeks ago, and I told you my one concern with Baltimore was closing games late, and then look at what happened with Miami. They couldn't close games late because you can't ask Lamar Jackson, who is a terrific runner, but you can't ask Lamar Jackson, who is still a quarterback, to drain the clock and run the ball at the end of games. It's just not an ask that a team is going to do. So you're going to have to rely upon at the end of games, who can we rely upon to end this game drain the clock, and get us into the halftime or get us into the end of the game, into the locker room. Who can be that guy? Well, they didn't have that guy on this team. Mike Davis wasn't the guy. They didn't have that guy on this team. Well, J.K. Dobbins is back. And J.K. Dobbins worked in slowly last week, and you're going to start to see over the next couple of weeks, J.K. Dobbins is going to get that bulk. And then Edwards is eventually going to come back. And then this team gets real scary because right now they're making this Lamar Jackson show. And everybody knows it's the Lamar Jackson show, and here he goes. He's putting on this insane display. But it's not just Jackson running the ball. It's also Jackson throwing the ball. Once he has a running game, it's going to be very interesting. Look, I think the initial immediate response here is the Buffalo Bills should win this game. I just don't like the spread here, and I do look at Jackson as the X factor. I don't want to bet against a guy when he's in the zone. And right now, Lamar Jackson is in that zone. And, oh, by the way, Buffalo is still banged up. All right, let's go to a division matchup here. Cowboys, Commanders. Uh, It's still weird to say. Dallas is a three-point favorite. Carson Wentz is going to be harassed all game long once again. Micah Parsons and this past defense, including uh, Lawrence, who had a phenomenal Monday Night Football, will be all over them. But Carson Wentz, he was sacked nine times last week. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in sacks taken. He leads the NFL in yards lost through sacks and he ranks 21st in yards per attempt. Looks like he's having a bad season, right? He's been sacked 14 times in the last two games. Are you kidding me? And this is one of the best pass rushers in the business. It looks bad for Carson Wentz, but hold on a second. Carson Wentz does have seven touchdown passes already this season, okay? He is looking at a situation where he's got a lot of weapons out there. Antonio Gibson isn't having a great year. Look, he's only averaging a little over a half a yard after the contact— but he's able to get to his three receivers and his big tight end, Logan Thomas, is getting healthier by the week. Washington is 1-4 against the spread the last five meetings in Dallas. So it's not a great spot for them to go on the road, but this is kind of, in my opinion, the Carson Wentz show. If you're able to keep Carson Wentz upright, which is a huge if, because the guy is getting blasted back there, but if you're able to keep him upright, I give Washington a fighting shot. We all watched... Monday Night Football, and we all watch the Dallas Cowboys come out on top. And here's what I, I say in sports betting all the time. Always the result masks the game itself. I don't think Dallas played well. I think Dallas had a hard time moving the ball. We all saw that. I think that the Dallas Cowboys were dysfunctional in a lot of situations. Dallas showed that they were afraid to let Cooper Rush throw the ball. Dallas showed that, you know what, they're still going to try to run Ezekiel Elliott, even though Pollard is the more polished guy back there and clearly the more talented running back at this stage in his career. Dallas showed us a lot of deficiencies that I think Washington could take advantage of. But the biggest thing is, Dallas showed that they can get after the pass rusher, and I think that that's going to be everything. If Washington is able to get any kind of protection for Carson Wentz, this could be an interesting game, and I think that most of the people, I'm looking at the numbers here, and you're looking at like 78% of the public is going on Dallas. Dallas is a publicly-bet team anyway. We all watch that. Now they're in a short week. It's a division rival. It's a division rival that nobody wants to take. And you look at the Cowboys and you go, guys, let's talk about the line. If this line was six, do you think people are pulling off of Dallas? Probably not. So it gives you that, you know, raised rock eyebrow here going, hmm, maybe something is up because it doesn't sit right with me that Dallas is only this little of a favorite. I know that it's Washington. I know it's off of a short week, but it is at home. We just watched them on Monday Night Football, and we just watched Washington get beat up and down the field. And and look, Carson Wentz didn't throw a touchdown pass in that game. He threw, you know, all those touchdown passes in the other games. But is this a harbinger of things to come? I have to go Dallas or nothing here. I'm leaning towards nothing because the line makes me go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back when we do. Got lots more right after this right here on Wagering Week.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. I bet you twenty bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds?
2: What are the odds? Well, I have the odds for the number one pick in the NFL draft next year. Or how about this? Odds to finish the season with the fewest wins. Well, the Texans are right there, just a little bit over two to one, plus two ten. The Seahawks come in at plus four twenty-five. The Falcons are six to one. The Jets are six to one. Panthers are twelve to one. Steelers thirteen to one. Commanders are fifteen to one. The Bears off to that hot start are eighteen to one. Patriots twenty to one. Titans, Raiders, and Colts are twenty-five to one. And that is what are the odds? I got to tell you, looking at this, um, the Colts and the Titans might be battling for a division title. (laughs) <laughs> and they're both twenty-five to one. Now, listen, I had Jacksonville winning the division, uh, but it's possible the Bears eighteen to one. They they were the number three team. They were the number three team coming into the preseason, so they are there. Who would I take a shot at? Look, I still think that the Steelers are going to get close to five hundred. I think the Panthers are better than what we've seen. Um, uh, you know, the Seahawks at four plus four twenty-five. The Seahawks make the most sense only because I I picked them before the year. I think they got their one fluke win, which I was actually on the right side of. And I think that the Seahawks are a team that you look at and you go, yeah, there's not a lot of talent there. I mean, they could go into the tank rather quickly here. So uh, that that's that would be my shot, but I'm not jumping to the window to go and bet on any of these teams. I don't like to do that. You know, th- These kind of games for me are just not something that I, I like to traditionally go on. Speaking of the Seahawks, well, let's talk about them. Them and the Lions, one and two at one and two. This was an opening line, and this was uh, a couple of weeks ago. The line was going to be about a pick'em, and now Detroit is a six-point favorite. It has gone back to four and a half, and then back up to five and a half or six, and it's been fluctuating. Why? Well, because Detroit is missing, or it looks like they're going to be missing DeAndre Swift. We have to know what his status is, but Dan Campbell came out and basically said, look, it would be best if he missed some time. Dan Campbell literally sat at the podium and said it would be best if he missed some time. So you can't overlook that. I mean, when the head coach tells us something, yeah, that's something I need to pay attention to um, with with DeAndre Swift. So that number is up and down. Detroit, by the way, they also lost safety Tracy Walker. That's big. They also lost their star wide receiver, Amon St. Brown. That's big. Now, St. Brown has a chance to play this week. We don't know about Swift. Walker will be out for the season. This Detroit secondary has shown that they are absolutely terrible. And now you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett going up against them. You talk about Geno Smith. Maybe he can't get the ball to these guys, okay? But it still is a matchup problem. Seattle, by the way, 5-11 against the spread the last 16 road games. They do not travel well. Detroit's 3-0 against the spread this season. They've been looking really good. But Detroit's scoring offense— they are doing really well. The, the Detroit Lions have scored in every quarter of this season. Actually, going back to 2021, they've now scored a touchdown in 17 consecutive quarters. That's the longest streak in the NFL. Pro Football Focus has Seattle's offensive line, 31st and run blocking. They can't run the ball at all, so they're going to have to throw the ball. They also rank 30th in plays per game, so they're going to sl- try to slow the game down by throwing the ball. It's a weird situation what Seattle's trying to do. There's not a lot of times they're going to say that the Detroit Lions really do deserve to be a near-touchdown favorite against anybody. This is one of those times, though, guys. This is one of those times where I'm going, look, this is Detroit or nothing for me, but I can't do anything unless I know the status. If I knew St. Brown and Swift were playing— and, well, the Walker thing certainly throws things into a mix as well. If I knew that those two were playing, I'd probably be all over it, even with the Walker news. And the Walker news is big news as well. Look, you guys might not know his name, but he's their number one safety. From a defense and a defensive secondary that's had all kinds of problems. Talking about injuries, here we go again. Let's talk about the injuries. Chargers at Houston. Houston's 0-2-1. Chargers are 1-2. and 2. This line opened up in charges minus eight and a half. It's down to the charges minus four and a half. It's because of Justin Herbert, but it's not only that. Look, Justin Herbert, he played through the through the injured rib and through the pain, and he he didn't look good. Okay, look, his numbers were not crazy. His numbers were not uh, oh, absolutely horrific out there. His numbers didn't look like, oh, you know what, oh, this guy this guy doesn't know what he's doing. But he didn't look like him, his typical self. It didn't look like he had that pizzazz that we have seen Justin Herbert had. He looked like he was kind of going in the mud a little bit. Well, it's not only Justin Herbert. Joey Bosa also banged up for this one. We don't know about him. Jalen Guyton banged up for this one we don't know about him and Rashad Slater is out now the biggest thing is this look I think that this is a winnable game for the Chargers even after what we saw against Jacksonville This is a winnable game for the Chargers with a banged up Justin Herbert he'll do just enough to win they can win without Joey Bosa their defense is good enough Khalil Mack can step into that role you know he's going to take out on a couple double teams but okay they can win without Jalen Guyton as well but I don't know if they can win with Storm Norton who is filling in for Rashawn Slater. He allowed eight pressures on 25 snaps last week, filling in for the left tackle. Okay, absolutely horrible. He's allowed the fourth most pressures this year, and he hasn't started a game yet. That's bad. That's really bad here. Chargers, they are one of the worst running teams in the league as well. They rank 32nd in both rushing yards and rushing yards per attempt. They are bringing in everybody that they can because they don't want to give Austin Eckler enough carries. I don't understand that. Both of these teams, though, are bottom five in rushing yards per game. And you look at the teams that are bottom five in rushing yards per game. They were 9-17 against the spread when they were favored last year. So that gives you something. Houston's defense... Look, on paper, you look at them and they go, okay, 13th fewest points per game. They're not doing terrible, right? Okay. Uh, But they have faced Matt Ryan and a terrible Colts offense without their number one receiver. They face Russell Wilson, who can't get out of his own way with Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos. And the Chicago Bears, who throw the ball about eight to ten times per game. So, you know, Houston might be a little overrated. Their offense is 23rd in passing yards per game. Houston's kind of a mess as well. I think you still have to go with the Chargers, but the injuries certainly worry me. Titans, Colts, 1-2 and two against 1-1-1. One, one and one. Yet this had the feeling of, hey, this is a huge division game. Over the last five meetings, Tennessee is 4-1 and one against the spread. The road team is 6-1 and one against the spread over the last seven. The Colts are a 3.5-point home favorite. I mean, it, it is the proverbial throw, a three up there, and who do we think is better? So what do you believe? Do you believe that Derrick Henry is back? He's, he, look, he looked good last week. He didn't look great. He looked good last week after being absent the first two weeks. And you go, is Derrick Henry back? And then on the Colts side, it, can Matt Ryan get this thing done? I thought that the Colts won a very fluky game. Very fluky game. Uh, a missed kick because of a backup kicker. I thought that Patrick Mahomes looked fine against the Colts, but he didn't look great. The defense is going to get better as the year goes on, but I'm worried about the Colts overall. I can't be laying points, even against a Tennessee team that I think is banged up. I, I Look, I thought that they, would going, they were going to miss Harold Landry, and I talked about that many times. I thought that, that they were going to miss him more than people realize. Yeah, that is the truth. The Titans also lost a lot of secondary guys. This is a, a banged-up Titans team, and if Derrick Henry isn't running like the Derrick Henry of old, then I don't know what to tell you because they're not going to be able to do anything. But on the same front, look, Jonathan Taylor hasn't done anything. This should be Taylor against Henry, and I got concerns with both of these dynamic running backs. Whoever takes over the running game probably wins this game. Speaking about running games, Bears, Giants. Bears are 2-1. and one. Giants are 2-1 and and well, two and one as well. Uh, the Giants are a 3.5-point favorite, and, and I'm not really sure why. Okay, the Bears have proven they are winning ugly. They are winning nasty, but they are winning. And that is the key word there. You can tell me, yeah, the Giants are winning. Also, they are. Um, But did anybody like what they saw on Monday Night Football? Anybody like what you've seen with Daniel Jones up until this point? Who looks uh, absolutely lost out there? And then you start looking at, again, here we go, the injuries. Sterling Shepard went down. That's a Giants leading receiver. Yeah, that's a problem. The Giants offensive line has allowed 13 sacks through three games. Evan Neal has been destroyed, and now he's going to go up against Robert Quinn, who was second-team All-Pro last year. New York has a 25th-ranked run defense in the NFL. Dallas ran off 175-plus yards there. The Bears come in second in rushing. Khalil Herbert, a guy that I've spoken about uh, for two years now, 150 grounds, uh, yards on the ground last week, uh, did had his way. And the Giants defensively look bad because of an injury because Leonard Williams, uh, look, he makes everything. So they lost Sterling Shepard. Leonard Williams might not be in there. This team is a mess. I'm sorry. They just are. And the Bears are not much better, okay? The Bears are, are turnover-prone all over the place. And the Giants' defense ranked first in the NFL in third down defense. So they're going to have to kind of do something on third down. Anybody have any faith in Justin Fields, who was 8 for seventeen with 106 yards and two interceptions? I thought, hey, you got to give Justin Fields kind of the ability to throw the ball. You got to give him the chance to sink or swim. Well, sink he did, and he looked ugly doing it. It was a bad showing by Justin Fields. It has been a bad year by Justin Fields. And it's a situation that I am questioning, do they even want him to succeed there? Because remember, new GM, new head coach. Justin Fields might be a washout. All right. Jaguars, Eagles, underrated game of the day. It's not going to be the uh, better than Bill's Ravens, but this is an underrated game of the day. Jaguars, two and one Eagles, three, and know, oh. Jags did what I told you they were going to do. I said they were going to go into LA and win that game. And the Eagles just keep cruising. Eagles are six and a half point favorites here. Look, Peterson returns to Philadelphia. That's going to be the conversation. Doug Peterson coming back. And while his players didn't know that he was coming back, kind of like last week with Lovey Smith against Chicago, they weren't on there. He's a player's coach, and they like him, and you know that he was unceremoniously taken out the back door there in Philadelphia. So maybe there's a little motivation there. Philadelphia 3-1-1 against the spread of the last five home games. They play well at home. This is all about Jalen Hurts, who's now a viable, viable MVP candidate. He is spreading the ball around. One week, it's A.J. Brown. The next week, it's uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, we watch Miles Sanders play really well. This is an offense that's multifaceted and it's causing people problems. But the Jaguars' defense is something that I highlighted. Look, they went out there, and they made two great picks in Lloyd and Walker in the first round, and they are showing dividends right away. Their offense, by the way, is scoring 28 points per game. That's seventh in the NFL. Their defense, though, is what I want to key on because they're averaging less than 13 points per game are the opponents. The Eagles' defense is something that we've discussed, and the Eagles' defense is fantastic. And the Eagles, I loved everything they did in the offseason. But the Jaguars' defense is so underrated. By the way, 48.5 is the total in this game. If you think that both of these teams want to run the ball, I, I, I can't bet against the Eagles in this spot. To win the game. Because I think the Eagles will win the game. Um, But it wouldn't shock me to see this be a real close, real tight battle. I think people are still believing that the Jacksonville Jaguars are not what we're watching. Except they are what we thought that they would be before the year. And that's not including me. That's everybody else out there. I thought that this team was going to be very good. And they are proving to me to be that very good team. How about Jets and Steelers? 1-2 and against 1-2. and Steelers are a a 3.5 point favorite. Maybe Zach Wilson comes back here. He's missed the entire season due to that knee injury. If he does come back, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers actually have a better chance to win the game. Look, Jack Joe Flacco has not looked good, okay? You can't say he's looked good, but he hasn't looked bad, right? I mean, he hasn't looked bad. The Jets have managed to put up 370 yards in some early shootout games. That's ninth in the NFL, okay? But... They've scored fewer points than the Steelers, 17-18. to 18. Pittsburgh allows 171 yards on the ground to the Browns. Now you ask yourself, are the Jets going to finally not let Joe Flacco kind of take the steps back, and they're going to run the ball with a guy, Brees Hall, that they really did uh, put a lot of stock into, and Michael Carter. The Steelers at home, 2-7 and seven against the spread, the last nine as a home favorite. Ooh, that, that that's not good. And the Steelers' offense is just not good. They, scored, uh, they put up 300 total yards last week, which is the second lowest mark in the NFL. There's only one team that hasn't had a 300-yard uh, game yet, and the Steelers just barely cracked that. But when you look at it all, you have to say, okay, hold on a second. You still have the pedigree of Mike Tomlin. Uh, Mike Tomlin, since 2007 when he was named head coach, has covered 55% of its home games. Fifth best mark in the NFL. He does well at home. Okay, And we have talked about him doing well in an underdog role. Well, this is a favorite role, and that's okay. Najee Harris has got to do better. He's got 3.2 yards per carry. He's got to do better because Jalen Warren is running crazy. He's got 4.7 yards per carry. But the big difference in this game for me is that the New York Jets are still dealing with uh, Makai Becton, who went out during the regular season. Offensive lineman went down. And now this week, they just lost, lost their left tackle, George Fant, who was placed on IR. You have backup to backups on an offensive line that wasn't very good to start off with going against the Steelers team. Now you could tell me that TJ Watt is not there and I get it. He is a big loss. TJ Watt not being in this game is a big loss. I am not trying to diminish that and, and diminish that in any way. But guys, they can still get after this. Miles Jack is still a tremendous player and you got Haywood still a tremendous player. Fitzpatrick, I think that the Jets are in for a world of pain in this one whether it be Flacco whether it be Wilson now we have to know who the quarterback is to really go out there and make that play well if you if, if it's Wilson I like the Pittsburgh Steelers quite a bit more than if it is Flacco who can still have be that guy and if they decide to just let him throw it all over the field weird things can happen how about Cardinals and Panthers one and two one and two Panthers are the two-point favorite at home look the Panthers coming into last week, they didn't have a win on their ledger, but they lost both of their games by five points combined. They are playing very close games, and they did again last week. And you look at this Panthers team, like I just said, they have failed to reach 300 yards in a the game. They are the worst in the NFL. They have no offense whatsoever. You look at Christian McCaffrey, his statistics are fine, but he hasn't had those big breakout games. He hasn't had that big breakout run yet. And the Panthers, look, they're 0-4 against the spread the last four games after a win, so they don't usually string these things together. The Cardinals, on the other hand, they have all kinds of problems as well. The Cardinals managed just four field goals against a beaten-up Rams defense. That Rams defense has not been good this year, guys. Four field goals. That's all they got. And now you go to Kyler Murray, and you start to look at Murray. He's been held to under six yards per pass attempt in at all three games this year. He doesn't have that deep threat, and we thought that Hollywood Brown would be that deep threat, and he's not. And you could blame it on the injuries. You could blame it on no Hopkins, sure, but fewer than ten percent of his passes are going twenty yards downfield. He just he's afraid to throw it deep, and not only that, he's not running the ball well either at three point three carries for for 22 yards per game that I mean he's not running at all so he's staying in the pocket and he's staying in the pocket and checking down this is not the Kyler Murray that we're used to seeing and the Kyler Murray that I think that they need to win these games this is not what we're used to for the Cardinals and you could talk about the Panthers and their lack of offense but their defense has been fantastic Brian Burns is second in the league overall at rushing the quarterback right now, even though he had an off game last week. Jeremy Chin had a fantastic game. They're they're, they're putting Brian Burns back in coverage in some spots, and Jeremy Chin is becoming kind of a coverage safety, which is not his normal position. So they're switching things up defensively. They're confusing people defensively, and the Panthers are getting it done like the Chicago Bears. It's ugly. It's nasty. It's not like we want in the NFL with a high scoring and the throwing the downfield. But they're kind of in every single game. Arizona, by the way, is 0-6 straight up in its last six games against Carolina, if that means anything. Uh, the Panthers are 1-9 and straight up in their last 10 home games. They don't play well at home. And we do know that Matt Rule is one of the worst against the spread coaches in the history of the NFL. The guy just flat out cannot win against the spread for betters. This is one of those games where my initial reaction here, guys, was I'm taking the Cardinals all day. I think the Cardinals are more talented. I'm waiting for that Murray breakout game. They are getting a little bit more healthy. I liked what I saw from Hollywood Brown last week. That's for sure. And I thought that the Cardinals, I'm going, okay, sure. And I say, wait a minute. It's a travel game. Carolina's defense has certainly stepped up. I just can't trust either one of these teams. I'm staying far away from this one. And next week, I think I'm going to know a lot more about these teams coming out of this one. Well... That's down in the future, so let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right.
1: Bet Bet to the the future. future.
2: Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future. Well, it's always a good time to look at those Super Bowl odds. The Bills are still leading the way at 5-1. The Chiefs coming in at 8-1. The Eagles have jumped all the way up to third. They are 9-1, along with the Bucks, who are 9-1. Packers are 10-1. Rams 14-1. Ravens 14-1. Dolphins 16-1. They made a move as well. The Niners and Broncos close it out at 19-1. That is bet to the future. Yeah, you know, look, the Super Bowl odds, it's always... Kind of fluctuating. It is crazy to see um, that the Eagles jumped so far up, and everyone's in on the Dolphins. If you like the Dolphins, get them right now. <laughs> Actually, you know, what? you you hope they lose Thursday. You can get them then. Uh, but like I said, the Dolphins could be eleven and zero. I mean, just from a straight value standpoint, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl, but they certainly can get there and, and um, uh, get the value there. I, I mean, this this number. Think about it. If the Dolphins are eleven and zero, they're going to go to eight to one or so, and they have nothing but greenfield in front of them after the C- Seattle game or after the Cincinnati game with nothing in front of them. I mean they really don't. Uh I can't believe the Broncos are still 19 to 1. That's that's stunning to me. The Broncos really haven't moved. They played like garbage. How about the Packers? Packers are still 10 to 1. How? How are the Packers? How do the Packers have better odds than the Rams? I know the Rams have not looked good but neither have the Packers right now. And the Bucks with their no offensive line 9 to 1. That's that's shocking to me. I get the Eagles. I get the, the love for the Eagles. I get the love for the Ravens at 14-1. to 1. I understand that. I do not in any way, shape, or form understand why anybody would be going in on uh, the Packers, the Bucks, or even the Rams right now. I guess because they're all in the NFC. I, I mean, I, that, that's what it is. But they all got major flaws. All right, well, let's talk about that Packers team. 2-1 and one Packers at home against the Patriots they are now 10 and a half point favorites in this spot. The Patriots looking like they're probably going to play without Mac Jones, looking like it's probably going to be Brian Hoyer in this spot. A- and you go, "Okay, look. Brian Hoyer has been with the organization a long time. And Brian Hoyer can be sort of that game manager here. Uh, Brian Hoyer can be that guy that you look at and you say, "Okay, you know, uh, he he could be fine." But I wonder, really, if Mac Jones is worth this. Look, the opening line is supposed to be Packers minus five, five and a half. Is is Mac Jones, from Brian Hoyer to Mac Jones, is it really a six-point swing? I'm honestly asking. And this is no slight to Mac Jones. I'm not trying to destroy Mac Jones here. I'm just honestly asking. Is the leap from Mac Jones' ankle injury to Jones missing the game to Brian Hoyer a six or a six-and-a-half-point swing? I don't think so. I think Mac Jones is a flawed quarterback. And he, he showed sparks last week. And he showed sparks two weeks before that, sure. But overall, he's a flawed quarterback. I'm not saying that I expect Brian Hoyer to come in here and light this thing up. But I, I certainly didn't expect Mac Jones to come in here and light this thing up. I think the Patriots are what the Patriots are. We know that. And that is we are going to run all day long, short passes to the tight end and to the crossing pattern, guys. And, and that's that. Now, you can look at Mac Jones and say, well, Tom, you know, you had a good game last game. Yeah, he did. But that's not going to be their winning winning formula going downfield with Matt Jones, uh, whether it be to Devontae Parker or whoever. It's just not going to be their winning formula. Their winning formula is get uh, Ramon Stevenson in space, by the way. He should be the starting running back. He's getting out in space. They're getting him the ball um, out of the backfield. He is a dynamic, exceptional player, guys. And you got to get him the ball more and i like Harris being the secondary guy if the patriots want to win in the fashion that the bears are trying to do in the fashion that you know a team like carolina is trying to do where it is all close all ugly run the ball and basically just uh, have it at the end they can do it they have the personnel to do that i like their dual tight end sets okay i like both of their running backs so The quarterback doesn't mean all that much to me in this spot. I really don't think so. You look at both of these teams, guys, they have offenses that rank in the top 10 in the NFL. Um, uh, They're scoring, well, top bottom uh, 10 in the NFL. The Patriots are scoring 12 points per game. Uh, The Packers are about 17 points per game. Both of these offenses have, have struggled. And the Packers now are laying double digits at home. The Packers are 8-2 against the spread of the last 10 home games. I know that. But this is a different Packers team. And I think a lot of people are looking at this Packers team and going, Well, remember what the Bear what they did to the Bears, right? Remember what they just did to the Bears at home? Oh yeah, that was that that was that spot. They destroyed them. It was double digits then too. Aaron Rodgers doesn't look too great back there. He doesn't look like an MVP, that's for sure. But he's not being asked to. In the same vein as Mac Jones, look, I'm not comparing the two, okay? but in the same kind of mindset, it's run first, run second, run third, and run off it. And that's what they're doing. It's Dylan, it's Jones. Now, Romeo Dobbs stepped up last week. I expect these receivers to start getting into the flow a little bit more. I expect things to, to be like that, but This is a defensive-laden team. They want to play defense and They want to run the ball. The philosophy has changed in Green Bay, and we have to change with it. If I told you, you you know, you have an MVP back there, you're going to go, oh, man, he's going to throw the ball all over the field. I don't think that that's the, the case here, especially against a New England team that absolutely defends the pass. They can get after it in that way. You can run on New England a little bit, but they certainly defend the pass. On the other side, the Packers' secondary is pretty good. It's a pretty good group, but you can run on them. We watched, go back to that Bears game, prime time. We watched the Chicago Bears run all over this team. David Montgomery had his way. So a lot of the things that New England does well fall into what the Packers don't do well. And a lot of the things that the Packers do well are going to be combated against tough things with New England. I know the Packers are at home. And I normally will never go against Aaron Rodgers at home. It's just I've learned my lesson. My bankroll has suffered by trying to do that early in his career. But this is double digits, and it's more than double digits here, to a New England team that nobody wants to bet on, to a New England team with a backup quarterback, to a New England team that, you know, I have a sneaky suspicion is going to play a really good game because they're going to kind of play keep away. That's how I'm looking at it. How about Broncos, Raiders, Raiders 0-3, guys. The Raiders, a playoff team last year, that people thought that they were a fraud, and they are kind of showing that they are frauds. The Raiders are a two-point favorite here. Now, the Broncos have not looked good. I get it, okay? The Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett's a disaster, but Josh McDaniels doesn't look good either. Josh McDaniels had a closed-door meeting with the owner this week after an 0-3 start that does not sit well. I mean, that cannot sit well. The Raiders rank 32nd in the NFL in rushing attempts. They are just throwing it, throwing it, throwing it, throwing it, and throwing it some more. 26th they rank on pass defense. They are allowing people to run on them. They are allowing people to pass on them. They've allowed four rushing touchdowns this season. They are not able to run the ball. The, the Raiders are just totally and utterly out of sorts. Both offensively and defensively. They can't get after the quarterback. And if you can't get after the quarterback, you could throw on them all day. And then once they start to send those blitz packages, now you can run on them all day. And being 32nd in the NFL in rushing attempts is terrible. I mean, it's just terrible. You haven't been playing from behind the entire time. They, they don't even try. They're not even trying to get a running game going. It's Derek Carr to Devontae Adams all day, every day. And well, you know what? Maybe we'll sprinkle in somebody else here or there. Maybe. The Broncos, meanwhile, Broncos don't look much better, but their defense is certainly good. I mean, their defense might might be the best in the NFL right now. Sertain looks like an absolute stud. He really does. He looks like the best cornerback in the league right now. You look at the Broncos, and you look at this rivalry. The Broncos are 0-6 against the spread the last six meetings in Las Vegas. They are 1-8 against the spread the last nine overall meetings against the Raiders. This Broncos team cannot beat the Raiders. That's all you're going to hear. All week long in Bronco country. We cannot beat the Raiders. This team can't do it because they haven't done it, guys. They just flat out haven't done it. But the defense is good enough to do it. Look, I think Wilson is lost out there. I think that the game plan is terrible, right? uh, Javante Williams is being underutilized. Melvin Gordon is being overutilized. Sutton's the guy, but they can't find Jerry Judy. I mean, it's a mess. The Broncos are a mess offensively. But defensively, there are no questions here. So if you have a mess offensively with the Raiders, and they have proven that they are a mess, and you have a mess offensively with Denver, but you have a mess defensively with the Raiders, and you have a really good unit, how are you giving points in this spot other than the idea that the Broncos just can't beat the Raiders? You want to talk about uh, a little bit here uh, uh, as far as totals go. This is an interesting one. The under is 20-8, and the Broncos last 28 games overall and six and two in the Raiders last eight games under overall so maybe the under is the way to go here with two bad offenses and that Denver defense playing at an absolute elite level I I might go out there and say that Denver's defense might be the best in the league right now it's 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 right there it's right there and who would have ever thought that we'd be worried about Russell Wilson dragging the team down Chiefs two and one Bucks two and one This is a fluctuating line. I can't even give it to you. Look, it was Bucks minus two. Then it was Chiefs minus two. They don't know if they're playing in Tampa because of uh, Hurricane Ian coming in. They don't know if they're going to move it to a day game. Maybe they're going to flex a different night game in here. Uh, This is a game you can't touch. As a sports handicapper, I'm recording the show in the middle of the week. You cannot make a bet on this game. This is a do-not-force kind of game, and it's a teaching lesson. Look. Why? Why are you going to go anywhere near this game? We don't even know where it's being played. Okay? There is speculation that this game will not be played here. So the Bucks' home field advantage, which whatever that might be, you, you know, it goes away. In both of these teams, we don't know what the situation is. I, I Look, I watched Key West last night get absolutely slaughtered. It was not, the hurricane was not supposed to touch Key West. Really that bad. It was supposed to kind of clip it. Well, it was 100 you know it was like like a hundred degrees off of where and Key West got absolutely slaughtered last night. Then it went back into the ocean. the hurricane gained momentum and it's gonna hit landfall. It's going to come right basically into Tampa from when I'm talking. That's the speculation. Tomorrow morning it's gonna slam into Tampa. And I don't know if this game's gonna be played there. I just I, I just don't know. I don't. We don't know what conditions it's going to be. So too many uncertainties. I'll give you this though: the Bucks are eight and two against the spread after they lose a game. All right, you know. So you got the bounce back method. And the look, the receiving core for the Buccaneers are it, it's banged up. It's bad. But Mike Evans is coming back from his one game suspension, so that will certainly help. And you look at a guy like Russell Gage, kind of stepped up. You need Leonard Fournette to run the ball better than he has, but I think he's just come up against really good defenses for the Chiefs side of things. They didn't look bad against the Colts. They just didn't execute properly. I think Mahomes has a good game here. But it's a one-dimensional offense because of what the Bucs do. The Bucs defensively may be in the challenge here for the uh, for the Broncos as the best defense in the league. They are just holding teams down. You simply can't run on this team. And that's been the MO for a little while now with the Tampa Bay Bucks. that you can't run on this team. The Chiefs don't care about running the ball. But eventually, if you just give up on the run and the Chiefs have the proclivity to just go, okay, I'm just giving up on the run. If the Chiefs just say, you know what, we're just going to give up on the run. We don't even care about the run. No big deal. Well, then the Bucks are going to be able to pin their ears back and say, okay, now we're going to come after uh, Patrick Mahomes. You also are missing that key piece, so you don't have to go deep with Tyree Kill. We've watched the Bucks linebackers do a real good job against Travis Kelsey in the past. So now you're telling me from the, the Kansas City side of things, hey, look, you can't run the ball and you can't throw it to your tight end or well, you don't have a great feeling about throwing your tight end. All of a sudden the Chiefs become a little one-dimensional. I think that the line is right here. We don't know where the game's going to be played. The Chiefs are the better team right now, but this Bucks defense is absolutely fantastic. I think this is the best Bucks defense that we've seen in years, and I'm including the Super Bowl team, which was a fantastic defense. That's something to pay attention to and a, just a good defense can just win games. All right, let's go to Monday Night Football. Two and one Rams, one and two Niners. San Francisco is a two point favorite. What do you do here? I mean, what do you do? What are we looking at? We thought Jimmy Garoppolo was going to come back, or at least Niners fans did, and all of a sudden everything is going to be all rosy and beautiful. Well, that didn't happen because Jimmy Garoppolo, while he might be a better option to win games than Trey Lance, is still Jimmy Garoppolo, which means checkdowns, which means mistakes, which means conservative football, which means... Defenses know what's coming. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Can Jimmy Garoppolo win in this league? Yes, but we've seen his ceiling, and that is exactly why they moved on from him to go get Trey Lance, and that was on full display against a very, very good defense. Now, the Rams defensively have not looked very good this year, so the Niners get a little bit of that, but they're still dealing with some backups. George Kittle came back, and that's a great thing. Debo Samuel running the ball is not fooling anybody anymore. It's just not. He ran the ball really, really well two games ago on a 51-yard run. But, you know, he had to make two guys miss on his own. It's not like they opened things up for him. The offensive line is playing pretty poorly for the Niners right now. And then you have the running back situation where Elijah Mitchell goes down and Wilson's uh, being the guy. Then they put in Mason who might get explosiveness, but he can't block anybody. The Niners have some problems, okay? And then you look at the Rams. The Rams have some problems as well. Stafford. Didn't even throw a touchdown pass last week. It was a handoff to Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup dropped a touchdown. Dropped! Flat out dropped a touchdown last week. Allen Robinson has been a complete bust out there. They're going to Tyler Higby as the number two guy. Cam Akers and Henderson are uninspiring at running the ball, which means the Niners are going to be able to tee off and come after them. Both of these teams are not complete products right now. I think they'll both get better as the year goes on. But right now, they're both incomplete products. Now let's look at the head-to-head matchups because we do have to read something into it. I give trends often. I give statistical, historical data, and some of them don't mean anything, okay? And I, I'll say it, hey, whatever that means for you, some of them do. Kyle Shanahan has owned Sean McVay. He has won six of the last seven meetings. The only time that they lost was the NFC Championship game. In San Francisco, the Rams are 2-5 and five against the spread the last seven times they were there. The Niners have won, and they have gone 5-0 and against the spread the last five meetings. So I look at this line, and I see a divisional matchup on Monday Night Football in San Francisco, and I go, why is this line only two? With all that, all that statistical numbers, is it strictly because the public knows that the Rams just won the Super Bowl? Is it strictly because, well, you know what, the idea that, well, the Rams won the Super Bowl, so they must be the better team— Is that the only thing that we're looking at? Because if it is, then you are actually getting a pretty decent value with San Francisco. I'm in the mindset, though, that San Francisco is still trying to figure itself out. I think with new moving parts at running back, with a new quarterback, even though he's the old quarterback, I don't love this offensive line. I think San Fran's still trying to figure out who they are and what they want to be. Last year, they utilized Debo Samuel in a great way, and they utilized him because they had to they didn't have any running backs back there that were getting the job done they didn't feel comfortable with anything so they went to Debo early often and they made him a running back that he was even upset about the situation well this year they're not fooling anybody by doing that so so now they have to come up with something else Kyle Shannon the offensive genius has to kind of come up with something else let's get something else in the books. And we haven't seen it yet. Kyle Juszczyk being used out of the backfield. Well, that's great. George Kittle is just not even utilized properly. All of these things can come and work themselves out. Just don't know if it happens this week. As for the Rams... Look, you're not stopping Cooper Cup, but you need somebody secondary. I, I don't believe in Tyler Higby being the number two option there and, and Ben Skowarnik and and all of this. No, you got to get Allen Robinson working, or you got to start to have a little bit of faith in the Henderson-Akers combination because where we stand right now, the Rams' offensive line is a little bit of a concern. Where we stand right now, Matthew Stafford isn't playing too well right now. Where we stand right now, they don't have a number two receiver. They don't have a running game. Their defense, especially in the middle of the field, is susceptible. The Rams have a lot of problems as well. I lean the Rams on Monday night um, only because I think that they're the better team. But I'm not dumb enough to say, hey, I'm going up against a trend where Kyle Shanahan just absolutely owns Sean McVay. No, I, we got to stick with some trends that do matter. And one coach having massive success another against another coach is a trend that matters. All right, guys, lots of injuries to keep an eye on, right? Make sure that you guys do your due diligence and make sure you keep up to date on that injury report. Enjoy week four in the NFL, everybody. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.